If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Haley, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 210 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dewaskin. Great to have you back for what's sure to go down in the record books as one of the most classic conversations of all time. My guest today is Kimia Bapornia. That's right. If you have a TV, you have seen Kimia. She is everywhere. Atypical, hacks, reboot, and so much more. Amazing conversation coming up in just a few seconds. And in these few seconds, I invite you to take the long and winding road to episode 208, my conversation with Lori Jacobson. Lori is author of Top of the Mountain, The Beatles at Shea Stadium, 1965. Lori and I go deep into the Beatles and everything that led up to that historic concert at Shea Stadium. If you love the Beatles, you're going to love that episode. If you don't love the Beatles, what's wrong with you? I can't help you then. Anyway, let's focus in. Here we are, episode 210 with Kimia Papornia. I'll say I just saw Kimia on the reboot of Night Court not too long ago. That was exciting. That happened after we talked. Also, after we talked, Hulu made the horrible, horrible, horrible decision to not renew reboot Kimia's show on Hulu. But we talk all about it, and I still encourage you to watch season one. It's one of the funniest seasons of any comedy ever. Anyway, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kimia Bapornia. Enjoy. All right, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest, actor, improviser, writer, loved her in Atypical, Hacks, Reboot. Welcome to the show, Luke Gorgowski. Just kidding. <laughs> Kimia Bapornia, what? Oh, man, amazing deep cut to say Luke Krakowski. Maybe two people know what that means. (laughs) When I discovered Luke Krakowski, I laughed, seriously, just nonstop for a very long time. It was, (laughs) it reminded me something that my daughter used to do when she was younger. I, many years ago, went as Ron Burgundy for Halloween. So I had this wig and like that burgundy jacket. And so mm-hmm. she found it in the in the basement and would put on the wig and and then put on the jacket and she became Bob. Like this oh, really over the top, just hilarious character. And it was just like so it was like I just I was so it kind of sent me back to that a little bit. But it was uh really funny. Wow, thanks. He's a pride and joy of mine. I mean I, I just did that with some of my friends from UCLA. We had a little sketch team that hosts a big talent show at UCLA called Spring Sing. And after we all graduated, we were like, well, let's just keep making videos. And Luke Krakowski was one of the dumb little vlog videos. We decided to all uh, put too much effort into editing. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best things, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that. Once once the, the big wigs get involved and they, you know, it's the freedom of that creativity that's too hilarious. Exactly. Luke, what I found. Great. It was just great. It was just that's amazing. It. 
I mean, I grew up on vlogs, right? We're like the YouTube, like, haul video generation. And now, I guess it's coming back on TikTok, a version of it, right? But nothing really like that. But that's what it was based on. Yeah, that was just amazing. Thanks. Kimmy, I'm a fan of yours. I Like, you seem to show up in every one of my favorite shows. Blessed. Which is awesome, yes. So how... How did you kind of get into all this? Like, what is your origin story? My origin story. On your path to hilarity. Great. You know, pretty, I consider pretty regular. I guess everybody's got a different origin story. But I went to UCLA, like I mentioned. I studied theater there. And they don't really merge the film and theater school. I hope they do now. But but when I went there, they were just like right next to each other on campus. But you sort of never mingled in classes together. And it was strange. And all the shows that the theater department would do were a little um, too. They're great. They're too serious for me. They were very like Pina Bausch, very dancerly, very like artsy, artistic. And I was like, well, I kind of don't want to do this. So I was just taking classes at all the improv places nearby because I was in L.A. So I'm also from L.A. So I was already taking classes and things like that. And I was doing like comedy sports in high school. And I took classes at IO and the Second City here and UCB. And then so I was doing all of that improv and being seen like through live shows and things like that. So when I graduated, I was just doing live shows. And then people from those shows would be like, hey, I'm making this short. And I saw you in this show. Will you do this? And I was like, great. So it was a little bit from there and a little bit from I had acquired, you know, agents and managers in the regular way. They had also seen shows. So it was through like live sketch and improv that I was lucky enough to find people to find me other jobs to funnel me into like making film and TV. Were you always funny when you were younger? Were you like funny in like elementary Mm, school? Great question. If you ask my parents, they're like, no, they're over my bullshit. But I... I'm an only child, and perhaps all only child origin stories are you just goofed, goofed off by yourself for way too long, and so you, you know, you cultivate this sense of humor alone in your room or, like, talking to your cat like me, just talking to my s- pseudo-sibling, my cat, and so I would just do all of that, but alone, but I was so shy. That was the thing. Here's part of my origin story. I wouldn't talk to anyone. At family parties, I sat in the corner. I guess family's not where you really explode your personality anyway, but like that everyone was like, that's Kimmy. She doesn't talk. She's just leave her alone. And then my dad signed me up for an improv class after school in the fourth grade because the like little parent booklet they send you home with said like, if your child is shy, this is a great class for them. And he signed me up. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Improv? You mean people will listen to other people will listen to me do the shit I do in my room by myself with my cat, just making up all this stuff. And so I loved it. And then from there, I started doing plays from fourth grade and beyond. And uh, so I always liked performing. Whether I was good, you know, let's go back in time and ask the parents that watched those shows. But it was always fun. And it was always my favorite thing to do. So I did continue to do it. And I guess practice helps, you you know, hone who you are and what you do. And, And from there is how I turned into whatever this is me now <laughs> <laughs> the awesomeness that is kimia now. sure <laughs> <laughs> i do stand-up comedy so i always i always regret not taking second city classes they had a second city in detroit for a little bit and i just i always i chickened out i chickened out it was uh i regret that to this day i doing stand-up for i mean it took me about 10 years but eventually could get i could talk to the audience and have a, a quick i could be comfortable doing that but not to the level of what you guys do. <laughs> well, that's so funny that you say that because stand up I tried for one summer a couple
couple of years ago, I was like, okay, stand up, a thing I haven't done. Let me try this. And it was so much harder. So the thing that you've tried is way harder to me. I say I don't do, I only do team sports. I don't do a solo activity. So in improv and sketch, there's always somebody else there to have your back. And then you're collaborating, you're creating a joke together. If I had to do this all on my own, even when I do character shows, I'm sort of like, this is less fun. There isn't another person here for me. I prefer that a lot. It's funny because like, right, because doing stand-up, it's totally solo. I know what I'm going to (laughs) say. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Almost 100%. And and so like to me that that's a weird comfort. I, I get it though. It's, I guess, yeah, it's just, it's two different completely yeah. mindsets, but it's like, it's just funny that we're each scared of the other thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I am scared of stand up. You're right. I'm like, I did it one summer and I went, that's good. That's enough. If anyone asks if I ever did it, I'd be like, yeah, once a couple times, one summer, good enough. <laughs> that's it. That's funny. I think I saw a clip of you doing stand up online. Yeah, there it is. It's on there. I took a stand up class and that clip was from our graduation show and that will live on as an example of me doing stand-up i haven't even watched it in years I, I hope it wasn't like awful but it's it lives on that's the internet right you make a video like luke krakowski's gonna be there forever i guess and if he if he turns sour then that's that but he was fun while he lasted <laughs> <laughs> yeah the internet is full of cameo videos i found uh-huh. a graduation speech from 2010 that's right that thing does come up when i was on abby's for nbc the writer's room googled me and said that that came came up and they watched that and I was like, oh, shoot, then that's something that maybe has happened a lot of times. People can just look up (laughs) and watch this high school graduation speech that's just full of really bad puns that is just on the Internet forever. So there you go. It's it was great, though. It was it's cute. It's like nice to have these things preserved. but I do get embarrassed. It's one of the only rare opportunities on the internet to see you with straight hair. Oh, yeah, that's a great, a great, great point. I spent most of my life, um, well, now I can say half my life with straight hair. Nope, still more than half. My mom just didn't know what to do with all my curls, you know, and she had the same thing and she would straighten her hair. So she was like, okay, and so will you. And not until maybe 10 years ago was like, there's a way easier way. I could just have these lovely curls. I could just have them and it's so easy. Straightening my hair took like 45 minutes. It was nuts. My wife has curly hair. Like I used to call it like Elaine from Seinfeld. Like uh, when yes. we first started dating. And she straightens it now. Yeah, they all my da- all my daughters. Mm-hmm. They put the, they put the time in. I, not not me. It's like we're leaving in five minutes. All right, give me uh, give me one minute. That's the same. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's the, my laziest way? I do all my hair care in the shower, and then it just air dries all lovely as long as I put in enough stuff. <laughs> awesome. What was your first? big role where your parents were like, oh, we get this. We get. Oh, my goodness. That random improv class definitely paid off. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It was it was definitely Abby's on NBC. It was that multicam show. It ran for we were lucky enough to run that for one season. We loved it so much. We'll take one. But I did the pilot for that. And it was a multicam, which has the live audience. And it was the perfect way to show them this is what it is. They they sat out there. They could see the cameras. They saw us like doing our lines. It was a hybrid of like the live shows they see. Plus, I was like, this will be on TV, you guys. So this is like, we've made it. We've done it. My aunts and uncles came to that, too, because we're all local from L.A. And that was the first time my whole family was like, oh, okay. 
wow, we get it. Look at this. That's amazing. But, you know, they'll always worry because they're like, they're from Iran. I'm first generation here. And this like job does exist in Iran. But like actors, like everybody's a doctor or a lawyer. So they're just always going to be worried about me. Like anytime I stop a job, they're like, are you okay? Are you bored? Do you need help? And I'm like, no, these jobs are different. Like we work. There's pauses, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter pauses between jobs. But it's like they finally get it, but also sort of don't get it at the same time. I don't know if they ever will. But Abby's was the first time they were like, oh, nice. We see. Abby's, right, because that was a full-time a full-time gig, right? And like, yeah. so when you finally get a series like mm-hmm. Abby's and uh, Natalie Morales is in this. I love her. She's she's great. She's, she's been the a, best. She's in also a lot of a couple of the, a few of the things that I really liked, both both you and her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neil Flynn from mm-hmm. Scrubs in the middle. So this was like a good powerhouse cast. Yeah. Was there a reason it got canceled? Did it just not catch on? Because I feel like sometimes they, one season's not enough yeah. to kind of catch on. And it's like, if you're, was it was it on? It was on NBC. They don't give you as much of a chance, I think, sometimes as right. like a Netflix or something. It's just tough because you never know what's going to hit or not hit. And if it doesn't hit, what's going to get a second chance or why something works or why something doesn't. I don't think too hard about it because it's just so like, that's just a Hollywood in my head. I'm like, oh, it's just wild. You'll never know what happens. So sorry to interrupt, but you never know what's going to happen on Classic Conversations. I'm kidding. You do know. I want to thank you all for your support of the sponsors, because when you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here, Classic Conversations. And that's how we keep the lights on. And now we're back with my amazing conversation with Kimmy Abapornia. She's going a little deeper into the advice she got on how to handle the ups and downs of doing so many pilots and whether or not they get picked up. And we're back. I mean, after we did just the pilot for that, before it was even picked up to series, I remember talking to Jess Chaffin after, or like the day we were filming the pilot. And I was like, what do we do? Like, this pilot's over. Now what? And Jess was like, you know, when you do a pilot, You just enjoy it for what it was. And you go, thank you. That was great. And you move on thinking that perhaps it'll never become anything. And I was like, wow, that's great. So I did that. And then it became a series. And then I was like, okay, maybe I have to just trap in this again and be like, okay, thank it for one season. And if it doesn't come back, that's fine. And so that's where I stand on it. I mean, always we could be like, did they market the show enough? I don't know, because a lot of people were like, I didn't know about this show. But that's there's so many shows now. You could say that about everything. So you truly right. never know. But we were sad because we loved it. We loved doing that show. And it was the first multicam actually outside. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. So they filmed it real outside for outside instead of on a soundstage. Um, we were like behind one of the Desperate Housewives houses. They built out risers for the audience to sit in and camera lanes because it was about an outdoor bar. And we shot it really outside. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was kind of like Cheers outside, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Similar in that they're both bars. Yes. And one's outside and one's inside. And that's the difference. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, wait, I had a question. And then, oh, you said, oh, multicam. You were talking about multicam. That's a huge difference, right? Shooting a multicam versus a single camera. Do you have one that you prefer? Which version you like better? I do love them both. What I prefer is maybe what I perceive the stories that you can tell on either one to be. Like, I think a multicam is sometimes more broad stories, more like uh, largely relatable. That's why a lot of them are family stories and things like that, or like found family stories. And in a single cam, you can have more like nuanced slice of life, really niche type of stories that are told in those ways. Not that they're exclusive. That's usually what happens. And I sort of prefer the stories told on single cam 
But as far as the process goes, multicam is amazing because I come from live comedy. Like it's amazing having an audience there and you sort of rehearse for three or four days of the week like you're doing a play and then you perform that play in front of cameras. And that's awesome. And there's less waiting around like for single cam you do perhaps sit in your trailer until someone knocks on your door, you leave for an hour, and then you're dumped back in there perhaps for a few more hours. <laughs> but like <laughs> the processes are different. The stories they tell are different. I don't really prefer one or the other, but I do recognize their differences. It's, is it nerve-wracking when your family was there watching because it it's being taped live? No, it was exciting. I was pumped for them to be like, to understand what, what I even do. Because sometimes I, before that big multicam that they saw, Abby's the taping. I had done like some commercials or some co-stars or something. And my mom would always be like, that's it. You just like scream and they give you money. I was like hanging off the side of a cliff in a commercial or something she saw once. And she was like, that's all you do. And I was like, no, I mean, there's a lot that's involved in me hanging and screaming, but fair. So it was exciting to show like a little more of what happens, what I get to do with these bigger roles if, I, if I'm lucky to have them. Like, mom, did you believe I was actually hanging? Yeah. Did you get it, mom? Could you have done that? That's her whole thing. She's always like, I could do that. Will they give me a bunch of money if I do that? And I'm like, mom, you're just tying all of this to money. It's really not what it's <laughs> about. And if you want to do that, go ahead. Honestly, my mom would kill it if she was out here to act. I think she's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's awesome. Let's talk about Reboot. So that's your most recent, right? At least, yes. Uh, and so I love Reboot. I had Rose Abdu on the show. She's the best. She has an improv background too. Do you guys mm -hmm. talk shop? We actually, we didn't talk a lot of improv. Mostly I was so excited to even be in the presence of Rose. Like I watched Gilmore Girls and That's So Raven and all of that stuff. And she is, I mean, you've talked to her. She is as, as lovely as you would imagine someone that is that funny to be. Between Takes was so funny. Like after the takes, she'd be like, it'd be late in the day. And then Rose would go, okay, uh, an ice cream truck arrives just right outside. They have Rocky Road, coffee and chocolate ice cream. What are you going to get? And then we all went around the writer's room table and everyone just answered. Rose would just come up with these games. It was like, what a delight. She's so delightful. That <laughs> so was that writer's room, those scenes? Reboot for everyone listening. If you haven't seen it yet, it is on Hulu. It's about a 2000s sitcom that's being rebooted with the original cast now by Hulu. It's one of the funniest, if not the funniest shows I've seen in a long, long time. Season one is fully streaming. Mm -hmm. And Kimia is part of the writer's room of the rebooted show. And so, but it's like, it's like a classic, the old school, new school dynamic yes. in that room. Some of the best scenes in it are with you guys. Fred Melamend, it's like Rose, George uh, Weiner, mm -hmm. Dan Lee, Lee, Lay, Dan Lee, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right? Rachel Bloom, Paul Reiser's in there. We can talk about that, your other connection with oh, Paul yes. in a second. Are you just guys cracking up in that room? I mean, is that all just, because some of the lines being thrown out in that room and the zingers back and forth are just too funny. It was, it is too funny and it's too fun. We were dying in the room and it was so nice. Also, uh, shout out to those fidget toys because uh, they had a, just a ton of fidget toys on the writer's table because, well, my wife is a writer and when she's in rooms, that's like what their tables are covered in and like markers for them to doodle. And I was like, this is strange. They're like children in there. But <laughs> I guess it like, but it was fun in the set dressing for us to use all of that. 
But yes, the lines were amazing. They were throwing out alts, and then sometimes they would just whisper it in some person's ear because they wanted us re- to real react to whatever the new line was. And so it was just so much fun anytime we did those writer's room scenes. Is it a waiting game now just to find out if there'll be a season two? or? Yeah, so far we don't know anything official, but people keep talking about it. So this is good. I feel like there was a lot of chatter. Like that's how I found out about it was people were posting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to watch this show. This is the funniest show. And, you know, that's the kind of word of mouth that once that's universal, I think. That's amazing. Can't stop that train. Yes, I'm so happy that that's happening. So yes, I'm I'm with all of you. Fingers crossed for season two. I have no inside info. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a there'll be a spinoff of your character of just me. No, well, a spinoff of the writers' room that would be fun, right? We just do. Uh... <laughs> I'm trying to get your own show. Don't. I? Oh, you're right. Sorry, I minimize myself constantly. Uh, so good good for you for looking out. <laughs> we'll get your wife to write it. It'll be yeah, perfect. This perfect. Is... Sounds good. Right. This is, I got. I, stick with me, kid. We got the. Whole, I got the whole plan. This is all I needed. <laughs> this is all you need. So you worked with Paul Reiser in the Mad About You reboot. You were Paul Buckman's editor, I guess. Yes. At his, uh, at his movie edit, where he made movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever Paul Buckman does exactly. Right. How was it working with Paul Reiser that first time? I mean, because Mad About and being on like that class, a reboot, a reboot. That's weird, a reboot. Right? Exactly. That's the irony there. There we go. <laughs> so I was, I was, how was that? It was great. I had, a, I had a really great time doing that. I, here's something I hadn't seen Mad About You, but my parents loved it. So when I walked into that reboot, I was like, I don't really know what, I don't really know what's going on. And I would walk into those scenes and we would rehearse them. It's a multicam. That one was a multicam. So we'd rehearse for a couple of days. And he loved to pitch joke alts himself because he was very involved in writing that reboot. And when we were doing scenes together, it was really nice. Paul would ask me what I thought. And if I had a joke, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because I was like, wow, I'm, I just got here. Like, what do you, will you trust me enough to say a joke? And it, it took a couple days before I was like, okay, I'm going to try telling him a joke that I think is good. But he had opened the space and his whole thing is like, whatever's funniest is, is what wins. Like, it doesn't matter who came up with it. You just go with what's funniest. And I learned a lot from that. And that was great. He was doing the same thing um, when we were doing the reboot writer scenes. Sometimes he would like be like, what's the pace of this? Or what do you think of this joke here instead or something? And we and everyone would weigh in. And it was lovely. He's so kind and so collaborative. And also he's so funny. How is he so good at that? I guess he's done it for so long. And he started out so good at it, right? He's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And like, I have a place in, in my heart for Paul Reiser, because when Mad About You was originally out is when I was first with my wife. So like, they were a couple. It was a, it was a similar you know time frame where they were in that series to where I was in my life. And so Mad About You was the greatest. And the reboot, the amazing thing about the reboot was they picked up that banter, right? The Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser's back and forth banter. Oh yeah, was just amazing. If you haven't seen the original, you need to go watch. It. I do. I got to go back and watch it because Helen Hunt was also so lovely. When I saw Paul on the reboot set on the first day, he sent. Uh, we, he took a picture and sent it to Helen on his, and he showed it to me on his phone that has like huge font. Sorry, Paul. He's got one of those up the font <laughs> phones, <laughs> but I guess at some point you gotta up the font. I, I hear you. I, <laughs> I have, I haven't gotten there yet, but I, I loved hearing though what we just said about Paul being able to be open to those jokes. I think that's how you can tell a good comedian who's a collaborative comedian is mm-hmm. they understand that the other funny ears in the room can hear something that you may not hear. 
And it's all part of the collaborative process. Totally. That was great. You ever meet with someone like a comic and you go, oh, I have a tag for you. And they're like, nope, uh, I only yeah. write it myself. And I was like, yeah, I didn't write this tag. You, it came to me. It was channeled through the universe to me because what you were saying, I never yes. would have come up with this random tag. You wrote it. I right. Just, Some people hear like, here's something better that you didn't do. And that's not it. Yeah, exactly. Together. Like, we're working together. It's uh, the universe put us together so I could I could give you this. There's nothing Absolutely. I can do. So so uh, can you give me a you're wearing a cardboard belt? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was great because I think that was a reference I also didn't know. And Paul had to like do explain that. And I was like, OK, I got it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you don't have to. It's just funny anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. You're wearing a cardboard belt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, too funny. So <laughs> I had a friend uh, who was a comedian, uh, Carlo Flanagan. He was in the final episode of the Mad About You uh, reboot. He played a cop. It's fun seeing people. Like, I'm excited now that, that we're talking. And the next time I see you somewhere, I'll be like, oh, I know, I know. Oh, nice. Yes. I get to be all fancy. Like, <laughs> I hung out with Kimmy a once. Totally. <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah. So like an iCarly. Mm-hmm. When you land like one episode. Mm-hmm. And... But you had a big role in that episode. Like I was, I was, I was watching. I was like, you're sitting behind her, yes, Carly. Right. So it's like you're like the main. It's, it's what to me what I would call you're the main guest star of this this scene, the car mechanic scene mm. that you're in. Right? Are there different levels of guest starring? I guess is what I'm getting at. When you audition, are like, are you up for always like the you know the higher level ones? Because you seem to be pretty prominent in the ones that I watched at least. Wow, it wasn't so like kind. you were like. <laughs> Well, you were right. I mean, it's like it's true. Like, you're not like off yeah. to the corner. You weren't girl number five in the art sure. Carly scene. She had a name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There uh, are there different levels of guest star. No, I think guest star is a level on its own, and it's and it does have like some guest stars are larger than others. But I think when I get auditions in, it's not like we don't know how prominent this character is. We just know that it's leveled at a guest star, and that's mostly what I do these days like i think that it's the level starts co-star and then you know from there you're just guest star recurring guest star is a thing that i love to have even more of course series regular is the thing you want the most that's your most steady job but i suppose on the span of guest stars a recurring one is a larger one that's always a better thing to receive you're in multiple episodes but as far as the the weight of any guest star it could be from you know from like one scene to no, to like 10 scenes you never know so what is, uh, so Abby's a series regular, right? Yes. And then so was the Mad About You reboot, was that reoccurring? That was a recurring guest. That was good. I think they, sometimes they'll also bump these things up. Like it starts as a recurring co-star and all of this might have something to do with budget and a thing I don't understand uh, and like rates and things like that. And sometimes it might be some rate, but they can change the billing. Like this is stuff my reps ask for where they're like, okay, she only does guest stars now. Anything she books, let's try to get it bumped up. And then I don't know what the politics of that are. I guess that's just to get you more jobs where you're like, look, all these guest stars, give her more <laughs> or something like that. It like begets more gold. Right. Is the theory. Like, Do you want Kimia or not? Yeah. Yeah, sure. They Hollywood it up for me out there. We're about to walk away. We're about to walk away. <laughs> oh, my fear. Because then it, people, I'm just like, OK, someone will just be like, yeah, walk away. That's fine. There's so many <laughs> actors in this town. <laughs> <laughs> So it was fun then seeing Paul Reiser again yes. on reboot. And then and you had a lot of scenes with him too. Like your scenes were with him. So that was mm -hmm. that must have been fun. And then the other tie back is uh Modern Family. 
mm-hmm. which uh, reboot is created by one of the creators of Modern Family, and you guest starred. Yes. On Modern Family. So was that fun to be part of that family, even just for like one episode? I've always heard good things. Yes. Great things. Mostly the big thing I always say when people ask about Modern Families, I was surprised how efficient everything was, but I don't know why I was surprised. It had been going like with almost the same crew for so many seasons. I was done with that in like maybe two or three hours. They got me out of there. I like showed up, shot for two hours and I was done. And those were uh, pretty chunky, like, that was a whole B story with Phil, the Phil Dunphy character and, like, the board games and this magic right. shop and stuff like that. So it was, like, a lot to do, but they, like, banged it all out, and I was out of there. But, yeah, everyone was so nice there. I had auditioned for Modern Family a bunch of times and had almost gotten maybe, like, three or four other roles that I was in for before I finally got one. But that's just the thing, you know? You never know what's out there for you, but it was nice that the the writers and the creators and the producers were like, oh yeah, let's keep bringing her back. We'll find the thing that's good for her to, to join our family with. And that was that. I was happy to be there. Yeah, that was a good juicy mm-hmm. guest role. That was really good. And then were you bummed at the same time that it only took two hours because then you don't get to hang out with them? I mean, do, do you yeah. not make that same kind of connection when you're like in there for two hours and out versus like, oh, it's a two day shoot or something like that? Right. It's definitely more fun when you can return and then you make more friends and deeper connections and things like that. But it's also fun that they can be that fast. Who knew? But you're right. I was I was a little bummed. It is always more fun. That's why a recurring guest is more fun. You get to go back and see your friends a couple times. So the lesson is always try and be as uh, just a really good person and bring your best. And because I've talked to other folks like uh, Nick from Family Ties, but he was like, it was supposed to be one episode, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched Family Ties. He became Mallory's boyfriend, like like for seasons. It just yeah. became like this, right? Just because they liked him. They liked the way he smiled. They like it. So that's always cool. So the lesson is just always bring your A game. There's no job too small because you never Absolutely. know. Any of these pieces kind of what led to Reboot? Like, like, or just like a coincidence, you showed up and there's Paul Reiser, or you happen to work for Mad- a modern family or just like, it just didn't help, but it didn't hurt. Exactly. I don't think it helped, but it also didn't hurt that I had done all these things. I was surprised that I knew so many people when I showed up to that writer's room for, to shoot Reboot because I had known Dan Leahy, we did Story Pirates together. So I just knew him through and he was at, around at UCB. I knew Rachel Bloom for years because my wife worked on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and we're just like friends with Rachel. I knew Paul from, you know, doing the Mad About You reboot and he remembered me. He made a nice joke when I got there. He was like, hey, don't work if you're not there or something like that. I don't know. It, it was <laughs> you had to be there. And then I didn't know Rose, but I was like, oh, I know this woman. I got to be this woman's friend. <laughs> and also Karama, who plays Janae, uh, one of the other writers, was a writer on iCarly. So I had tangentially met her like doing an episode of that. All of this just compounded accidentally. That must be super fun then. So it's kind of like you're coming back to another session of camp. Yes. <laughs> like all your all your friends are there and it's probably helped to, do you, do you think that helped then to kind of gel that room and create some of that electricity a little faster than if you had just, you would all been complete strangers? Totally. Because between takes, you know, sometimes it's silent, but between our writer's room takes, we were just continuing talking. Just about ourselves, about each other, or about bits about the show. Who knows? But it was just like the constant chatter helps us go into takes of more constant chatter. Just like exactly what you said, helps the energy in the room. So everyone in that room on their own was a naturally hilarious person, right? So there was yeah. no way that 
It would be a tragedy for you to be going like, oh my God, it was the worst. It right. Was- <laughs> You're right. There is no world where I would come on to this podcast and be like, oh, we had a terrible time. Everyone was dry. No one was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Oh, man. So did you get to hang with Johnny Knoxville at all? Uh, no, not really. We didn't cross scenes or anything. I don't know if Rose told you, but I, I saw her a couple weeks ago and she was like, Johnny Knoxville slid into my DMs. <laughs> I guess he like loves her character on the show and wants if there's another season, I think he wants like to work at his character and Selma to like meet up <laughs> for a storyline. But he's awesome. But we never got to talk to him, really. I didn't realize what a good actor he was. Isn't he great? I think I told Rose this. I Googled like, who's this character? Who's this guy that looks like Johnny Knoxville? Surprise. And I was like, oh, my God. He's like, he was, he was good. I like. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you mentioned uh, Story Pirates. Mm hmm. What is that? What is that? Okay, it's my favorite job that I've ever had, and I still have it. So Story Pirates, we take stories written by kids, and then we turn them into a show, and we take it back and perform it for the kids. So basically, we are doing sketch comedy written by kids. Also, Story Pirates goes to schools and does workshops teaching kids how to write stories. And it really encourages kids to use their imagination because anything can be a story. They can't be wrong. We take all of their ideas. We nurture them. And then not only that, we like make them even more important by turning them into a full show that adults put on for them. And it's just the best. If I had it when I was little, maybe I would be more insufferable than I am now. But here we are. And I love More it so insufferable. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I'm so insufferable, right? <laughs> but that's what Story Pirates is. And they have a chapter in New York and a chapter in L.A. And I've been performing with them since like 2014. That's awesome. Do you get to mm-hmm. option any of them for movie? Uh, this is a good idea. But that's... Uh, no, not movies, but they have turned a lot of um, stories into real books, like uh, like chapter books written by children guided by the story pirates and stuff like that. And we have a podcast. It's very musical now. We just turn all these stories into songs and we release them. They have albums on Spotify. It's amazing. We're just like really stealing ideas from children, but it's okay. It's in the name of amplifying their voices. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's for the betterment of yes. the world. So it's, it's okay. It's right. totally okay. <laughs> oh man, that's funny mentioned you were on a bunch of the shows that I love you. You had a great guest star in role on Hacks. Yes. Got to hang with Jean Smart. Amazing. I imagine she was nicer to you in person than her character was on the show. Is that yes. Fair? Thank goodness. Because the character was just icy to my character. But she was lovely. Now that I'm recounting all of this, I'm realizing I have been lucky enough to run into these like legends that are very collaborative because Gene Smart was very similarly like for a button to that scene or something where the we could talk a little longer and some of our banter she was like you say this what do you think of this what do you it was collaborative the, the little back and forths that maybe were not scripted at first so she was really lovely and open to that as well and I guess that's the secret to being a great funny working legend is they all just are this collaborative and nice yeah I think Nobody does it by themselves. Yeah. Nobody. Gene Smart is so amazing on that show because of Hannah Einbinder, right? right? I mean, like the two of them, it's like crazy. And the way she uses you to make her jealous. Uh, You feel bad, but. (laughs) You feel bad, but happy it was me. You got to be a stand up. You got to be a stand up (laughs) comic. That's right. That's right. Well, before I get to my final one, I've never seen Lucifer, but I watched your episodes (laughs) because I wanted to check you out as Gabriel. Yes. I've never. I'm not gonna, I can't pretend I've seen Lucifer, but I've now seen enough based on around your characters that I'm very intrigued. 
Yes, I had a similar reaction. I, I, uh, after I got that job, was like, okay, let me see what this show is. And I was like, whoa, this show is fun. It just like mixes so many genres, right? It's like a procedural, but it's also so goofy. And also it gets serious. Yeah, it's, it's all the things. I had a great time doing that. I love doing things that are a little like... Because sometimes I do like pure comedy and sometimes I get to do a show that's a little not is off kilter. Like I did Station 19, which was the show about firemen, a spinoff from Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, this is wild because I got to be the funny person on a serious procedural. And that is a really fun job to have. Plus, you get into the whole Shonda Rhimes world. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Next thing you know, you know, you're the new doctor on Grey's Anatomy. Wow. Next thing I know. Let's keep speaking all these things into the universe. Yeah, let's like, get it that's all. The way, that's the other way to make it happen. Right? That is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that You're is, right. right? So Lucifer is a show I'm now checking out because of you. Nice. It, just, it looks insane. And I was like, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, I had no idea. Just people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, and it's been on forever. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt my conversation with Kimia, but we have to take a quick break. And we're back with my conversation with Kimia Bapornia, about to dive into her role on Atypical. And we're back. Another show that you're on, this is a reoccurring mm-hmm. part, is Atypical. Mm-hmm. Love Atypical. Love, yes. love that show. I was sad when they ended it. Yeah. But sometimes you're sad when they end a show and happy that they end it versus right. the whole American drag a show out. Dragging along. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Dead in the water. Mm-hmm. But what a great, great show. I mean, when you audition for a show like Atypical, mm-hmm. are there shows like that? Are you are you a fan of a show or do you like to go out for certain shows that you're a fan of? Like, or is it just like as a work as a working actor, just like I'll just I'll take whatever. <laughs> if they'll take Kimia, I'll say I'm there. Hey, if you ask Kimia, if they'll take Kimia, then I'm there is, is usually my motto. I'm very lucky to also get to work on shows that then I also do love to watch. My secret is in my house, we watch almost exclusively reality TV. So anything I audition for is something that maybe I have not seen or would not check out unless I'm like in auditions for it or then get on the show. That's me confessing that we're a reality TV house. (laughs) It's not that we dislike anything. It's just like when we have the time, we prefer to watch The Housewives. And that's that's our little secret. So I'm happy to get to work on these good shows because then I get to watch these good shows in the name of work. And put those housewives on pause. <laughs> Since you shared that with me, I'll share this with you. I I was uh, visiting a friend of mine in Chicago. My wife and I were like on the pullout bed in the family room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we're watching TV. I don't know what God awful hour the you know one a.m. two a.m. I don't, mm-hmm. Janice Dickinson modeling agency comes on. We start watching it. Next thing you know, we are hooked. Oh yeah! On the Janice Dickinson modeling agency. It was. Mm -hmm. i mean some of these reality shows something you need sometimes yes a show like that that just has no place in your life other than just to fill an empty void because you just need that emptiness for a period of time totally nothing serious nothing exactly (laughs) so i'm atypical Mm -hmm. you all your at least the majority of your scenes were with uh gil kier gilchrist Mm -hmm. wow like he was incredible isn't he awesome? I mean, the, the whole cast. I mean, like, but like, but wow. I mean, but you joined season three when he went. Season to- three, exactly. Kier's amazing. He's one of those, for me, I, what do I call it? Maybe like a pure actor actor? Because I'm like, I'm very aware that perhaps when I am acting, I'm playing 
many shades of my actual personality, either ramping them up or using less of it or something like that. But it is all coming from pieces of me. Here in playing Sam on Atypical was really just purely playing what he had researched and observed because Kier himself is like covered in tattoos, like is the lead of a death metal band that he writes songs for based on like deep histories like he's a big history buff and stuff like that it just feels so contradictory to like sweet sam that he plays but i'm like to be able to do something like that was so fun to witness because to talk to him between takes and then for them to be like action and then he's suddenly sam i'm like that's that's amazing i'm not doing that i'm being more cameo somewhere here or there he's being a whole nother person (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible yeah Amazing to watch him play that character. It really mm-hmm. was. How was hanging out with Michael Rappaport? Great question. I think I only worked one day on set with him. He didn't talk much. You know, he was watching um, sports stuff on his phone between takes, as okay. you may I, imagine. I just saw him live in concert. Oh, I, yeah? He, I just saw him do a comedy show. He's hilarious, and I love his rants. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just curious if like, that was uh, if, how he was on uh, on set. He was pretty quiet, which is interesting because of his rants. And sometimes he's on um, Watch What Happens Live, which is uh, like the after show after Housewives. So I'm like, wow, what's he doing here? Because he also watches the Housewives and he's pretty loud on that. But when we were on set, he would just like do the lines between. He was like scrolling Twitter and then he'd come back, you know, do his take. That was it. He's a pretty chill guy <laughs> on set. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Every one of these shows kind of just when it ends. And I could see where your parents would get nervous for it. Oh, yeah. But there's some more shows. You have a lot of credits. I think if the Thank earliest you. IMDb is maybe maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. You've got 50 plus credits on there. Like, you are definitely a working actor. I mean, like, always working, it seems like. Everyone right. wants Kimia. Everyone That's wants good. Kimia. Let's keep saying that. I like to keep the snowball rolling <laughs> so that it gets a little bigger and bigger every time. Oh, so another uh, deep cut, maybe? A catnap talk show? <laughs> oh, boy. That's my friend Tyler Prado. He just started doing that, you know, because everyone can make videos now. I did do the catnap talk show <laughs> with my friend Tyler's, hosted by my friend Tyler's cat, his real cat. Well, your friend Tyler's really funny, <laughs> and that cat was really funny. I gotta say. Oh, that's uh, great. I'm happy you found that. <laughs> well, there's just a lot of uh, hilarious uh, Kimia videos out there. Kimia, what of your acting mm-hmm. resume that we haven't mentioned? Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, I would love everyone to have seen me in this. Yes, actually. It's a short film. It's what I credit for like the launch of really me getting into Abby's and that was like my biggest thing that snowballed me the furthest. But I was in this short film called Pop Rocks that one of my best friends, Alyssa Lerner, wrote while they were um, in grad school at USC. And then so if anyone hasn't seen Pop Rocks, I think it's on YouTube. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. And then another thing we did, um, Alyssa and I just like maybe three years ago or so did another short together called Break In. And that I think is really fun if anyone wants to find that. Perhaps that's also on Vimeo or YouTube. But those are two things that a lot of people haven't seen because they're shorts, like arguably harder to find. But I'm very proud of those shorts. And I and if you haven't seen those, check out those shorts. If I can find, I'll put links to them in the show notes when, Great. We, when I do this. All your stuff. The, the marriage counseling for friends. Like this, there's, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of really funny stuff out there. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Do you still take improv classes and do like involved like heavily with improv or anything like that? Like, yeah, the UCB, I think, just opened up. We're back. I'm doing a lot of shows there currently on Herald Night. I don't know when this will air, but in the new year, I don't know where our team will be. 
perhaps uh, graduated to a weekly show or not. But either way, at least once a week, I have a show out at UCB still doing improv because I love it. And if I can still do it, I will always do it till the end of time. That's awesome. That's amazing. I Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really, of course. Really appreciate it. Where can people hang out with you on uh, social media? You can find me on Instagram at child clown. There it is. There it is. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> when did you uh, lock down child clown? Ooh, a long time ago. I w- when I was in like middle school, back when, you know, people my age in middle school would have blogs. Uh, I had a blog called like something dumb, like four year old teenager or something. And one day my friend was trying to remember what my blog was called. And she was like, what's it like child clown or something? And I was like, no, but exactly. And that I'll just be that on everything forever. And so I made that a long time ago. And then when I started getting more jobs, one of my friends who worked in social at the time, plus also my wife says this constantly, was like, do you ever want to, you know, change that to maybe your name or something now that you're like, this is your business, you're an actor. And I was like, I think it's okay that I'm child clown. I'm fine. We're going to leave a child clown until it becomes a problem. And I don't I don't anticipate that it will. So child clown forever. (laughs) When I picked my Twitter (laughs) handle, I was like, way, way, way like. 10 plus years ago and then didn't use it for five years and then got very and then i'm stuck you know what i mean yeah. like so it's like <laughs> i mean i could mod, change it yeah. but i've doubled yeah. down here we are yeah yeah you, everyone knows you now is that that's right uh, too many passing <laughs> i appreciate you sharing all your stories with me and hanging with me it really means a lot i really appreciate it my Thank pleasure you. all right how amazing was kimia bapornia it was so fun hanging out with her she is literally in every one of my favorite shows. So definitely write Hulu a letter and tell them what a mistake they made, not renewing Reboot. Huge mistake, huge mistake. But you can check out Kimia there still. I still recommend that first season of Reboot. Check out a typical amazing series, Hacks, Modern Family, iCarly, so much Kimia out there for you to explore. Check out the show notes. I'll put a bunch of links to a bunch of stuff there. In the meantime, with the interview over, can you believe it? I know, episode 210 has come to an end. Can't believe it either. One more huge thank you for Kimmy Bapornia for being my special guest today. And another huge thank you to all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations. Classic Conversations.